On today's episode, we have Dan Sanzo. Dan and I worked together for many years at Northeastern University's Sports Performance Department. Prior to Northeastern, Dan has years of experience as a strength and conditioning coach in college athletics and as an athletic trainer. Dan now owns Strategic Fitness Training and provides individualized service to clients in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Dan credits his own experiences battling movement restrictions and pain throughout his 20 plus years of resistance training and physical activity, as well as his pursuit to evolve his understanding of health and human performance to find solution to these issues have led to a refined approach to fitness. In this episode, we dive into the following topics. My personal experience working with Dan while pursuing my running performance goals, the physical barriers I was running into that led me to work with Dan, how Dan views most movement restriction as focalized force, structural biases that need to be managed, consequences that come with high performance, the exact assessments and intervention strategies Dan used during our time working together, and why attention to detail matters. So without further ado, here's our episode with Dan Sanzo. More train, less pain. Dan, I purposely wore sleeves today because I just didn't want to intimidate you too bad, you know? It's funny because I was doing bicep curls right before I got on just to make sure I can keep pace. <laughs> Perfect. And then you pull up in a forest green strategic fitness training shirt. And I'm like, man, you have a better t-shirt on than I do. It's devastating. Everyone knows I have a ton of style, right? And my color, my color schemes are impeccable. So. You are known for that for sure. <laughs> So who are you training these days? So who do you, like, who do you mostly work with? Mostly work with our um, middle-aged men that I, they're kind of going through that, you know, maybe through that phase of like, oh, I don't feel so good, right? And they were probably active their whole lives and they're trying to get back into it and they feel, you know, like a better term, a little jacked up. So vast majority, I would say, is, is that. And then you sprinkle in some, um younger athletes here and there yeah and you really like working with other other athletes right i do like working with athletes is something i've been thinking about a lot lately like you know eventually i want to pivot back to some type of group um aspect of it at the same time um and the group wouldn't be big group it'd be like a smaller group um Mm -hmm. like not like a collegiate team like you know we used to do but um at the same time like I also appreciate working. I've been like super, super spoiled, like between my, yes, the middle-aged clients, but also the younger athletes I've been working with, like how much we've meshed in terms of like attention to detail and like fitting with my style. So just finding a way to make sure that would continue uh, would be would be important. Um, but yeah, I'm probably gonna uh, pick up a few more of those going forward. That's awesome. I would say that is your style, like at the utmost highest level attention to detail. Oh yeah. Like even, even before, I mean, you've known me for a while now, but even like before, right. I had like 
a way of doing things and was very particular, we'll call it, right, about how yeah. to execute things. And, you know, now it's probably just whatever, compounded drastically, right? There's even more, you know, I have to try to word it a certain way, but yeah, it, it is, uh, I know more now, right? So it means even more to me when you can do certain things. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was, I was running before this, obviously. And uh, I was thinking about like Northeastern because I mean, I talked about this kind of earlier in the podcast before you got on, but um, we, you know, we used to work together. I remember coming there and I was very young in my career. I was still in school when I got hired. Um, and I knew Northeastern through like reputation. So I knew like the coaches there were going to be awesome. And the rate of learning that occurred for me within the three to four years that I was there was just astronomical. And it was probably, it, I mean, it wasn't probably, it was mostly because you and Justin Parent, who were the other two coaches there, were at extreme like high level. And I think at first I definitely was intimidated by like your level of detail towards things um, because, you know, my experiences prior were nowhere near that. Yeah. You know, I've heard similar things and I, for a while there, I couldn't tell, <laughs> you know, it's just something like, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, <laughs> but just literally what I see, and I, I don't know how to explain it. I had, uh, you know, years and years ago, um, one of my first mentors was Prajesh Patel at Queen Beck University. And even back then, so we're talking, whatever, 15, 16, 17 years ago, um, he even mentioned something about, yeah, you just had like this eye for certain things and like, you, you know, and you just see things a different way. Um, so it's always been that way and just keeps kind of growing and growing. Um, and I don't really notice it as much until we kind of have these conversations and then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like super detailed um or like i try to talk to like obviously a client and i'm like oh you know we're, we don't have the the same wavelength here um uh but yeah it, it's uh um uh, it definitely is you know i'm gonna say not for everyone right um but i you know between my own experience and working with people when i can you know connect with someone and have uh that vibe of understanding, you know, it seems to make really good, um, really good results out come out of it, right? And then people really change, and like the amount, you know, buying people can get, or how into they get, like into their workouts and how much they like them, um, is really is really cool and fascinating to me. Yeah, exactly, and like a problem solver is really like what I go after. I mean. It's funny because everyone has their little bubble of worlds, right? And typically general population clients can't determine what a good trainer is and what a bad trainer is for that spectrum. And it's I feel like it's like you make me so self-conscious because like a tr a client will try to give me a compliment of like you're you know, you have so much attention to detail. And in my head, I'm like, no way. Like I don't even have not even close to the level of attention and detail of some of the people that I know. And it kind of makes me like, just like, be like, Oh, thank you. But then I feel like a fraud because I'm just like, no, that's like not true. I mean, the opposite, the opposite be that you're not a psychopath. So like, you don't, you have to, you, have to, you know, so. touché, touché. Yeah. but this is exactly why I, 
sought you out, even if you didn't want to. I told you the other day, like we are going to become best friends over this year because it would just be a complete waste of time for me to even try to solve these things by myself or see someone else. So I'll give you a little backstory of why I went to go see Dan. Um, So I started endurance running. I, I don't know what happened to me. Dan, Dan knows that I was a big weightlifter. I mean, just the sheer size of my deltoids will tell people that for sure. Yeah, but you're, yeah you, you, just, you just were, you're, you know, everything was about you was like workhorse, right? So you went after it in the gym, but even when you were, even when you were strength training, like you still would, I have these pictures of you on the treadmill, right? In, in that cabin. Uh, so like, I knew you liked to run because yeah. often, right? Yeah, like you probably knew that a little bit more because like I obviously I worked out in front of you every single day. Um, but a lot of people were like shocked. But I ran a ton in college, especially trail running. Um, and it, I have always like maintained it a little bit, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, some of my best friends who I ran with in college or played soccer with, they always say they always tell me, even though I don't I disagree with this, like I they think that one of their biggest regrets for me is not having me like take running seriously in college. Um, but they, they were national champion runners too. So I, I used to run with them all the time. Um, but I dived deep this past year into running. So running marathons and ultra marathons and putting a lot of miles on. And I feel like as a trainer, I can kind of take care of my training plan. I feel like I'm pretty confident in that. And then also like hydration and nutrition. But the biggest thing and your point of intervention is like the biomechanics of it, making sure my body can handle it. I I, I call basically my diagnosis like performance induced discomfort consequences. <laughs> That's basically I really like that. <laughs> thank you. That's my new business name, by the way. <laughs> there you go. It's perfect. Okay. Yeah. It's super easy to say. Yeah, everyone um, knows exactly what you're going for. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but it's like, I've never had chronic pain. Like we all, like a lot of the stuff we talk about on this podcast is dealing with people who have chronic pain. You know, I've never, yeah, like I had neck stuff like in grad school, but it kind of clears up after a little bit. But as I've been running a few things like, popped up and flared up um never kept me from running (laughs) but uh yeah exactly but uh they would just kind of be there and um I knew so I called you and I had to go see you um the first time was March 26th of uh 2023 and it was right it was a couple weeks before the Boston Marathon um and road running really has I noticed beat me up way more than trail running Um, And I came to you specifically that time because my right foot would not move. It would not move to the point where if I wasn't in like my Brooks adrenaline shoe, I couldn't walk on it. Um, Again, I still ran on it. (laughs) But um, you want to maybe talk about, you know, what your kind of thought process was or when I came to see you um, what, what that was kind of all about in your head. Yeah. Well, a couple of things were one, we knew the marathon wasn't too far off. Right. So 
um, well, that mixed with like, I don't even know if I talked to you about it. I might have made a little bit of assumptions knowing you. Like, <laughs> like you're a competitor, right? I know you like to go hard. And I knew you didn't want to just like, oh, I completed the marathon. Like, I knew you wanted to like run this thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and move, like uh, move fast. So um, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, um, you know, generally speaking, I knew where you were, like your center of gravity is flying forward into the right. Um to a significant degree it's like okay i just gotta you know in my head i was like okay i'm gonna bring her i'm gonna try to bring her back just enough because i don't think i'm gonna like i didn't go in there thinking i was gonna like you know melt you and get like all your emotions back right because you had too much of a training age or i was again assuming so i just went in there thinking okay i'll get i'll get some back is what i was kind of thinking um and then uh hold you back and in particular gain some you know when we talk like some internal rotation on that right side that um because you had so much uh um, external rotation um, compensatory strategy um, and in, in particular because we were talking about your your foot we kind of were talking about strategies that we could apply you know more down there uh, in terms of how your foot was moving and you know we ended up putting the the little uh, um, soft orthotic in your shoe to help slow your tibial translation down even even more because essentially that's what was you know, is happening is your TV is just going forward so quickly and um, you're orienting everything to the ground uh, from your heel up, you know, towards the midfoot um, for your internal rotation. So, you know, in my mindset, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to just get this this foot and this leg and see how much I can kind of go up towards the hip with it. Um, so we, you know, we started on the ground and did a lot of things there and, you know, I mobilized your foot a bit. Um, yeah, you are, you're, you you are, going quickly here yeah <laughs> like okay so before you even saw me in the gym yeah. like you've known me for years what are your basically first like assumptions in terms of like a structural bias like that you, that you see before you kind of throw me on the table um so i thought you were going to be pretty stiff and rigid um just based again, based mostly on your strength training background and how uh, intense your training had been in the, in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, I was I was concerned about um, how much of a uh, a rectus strategy you may have just by like kind of looking at you, right? And we talked about that, and and, and you do go there, um, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised where you kind of like release it a bit and wasn't gonna be a uh, a huge a huge constraint um but and then, and then you can kind of see how your um like your feet turn out when you're when you're um um especially if i lay on your table they do but like you know when you do certain things so you're kind of showing where you where you're spit where you want to put that leg in space right and out to the out to the size and and you know you i've seen you do other things like i've seen you do split squats i've seen you squat so i could tell like your pelvis it was hard for you to capture some internal rotation at certain uh, degrees. Um, so I, yeah, I had a, I generally had this, uh, and then you're, uh, I don't know how tall you are, but obviously you're not like tall like me, right? Yeah. So so I knew, I didn't think you, I knew you'd be like <clears throat> um, anterior-oriented, but you weren't gonna do like the, um, and the, and most likely you weren't gonna be able to keep anterior-orienting and keep like ex uh, what would be called like traditional, just extending, or hyperextension of the spine more and more and keep you over the foot. Like I knew you were going to have to externally rotate your hips more. 
um, and not do this other type of uh, strategy where you can almost like go up and over and turn it all in um, and create a lot more tension proximally at the at the femur. Like I, these were things like from watching you um, and, and then, you know, making some assumptions based off of your, your, your height and in your, you know, your, your petiteness and your ribcage shape and all these things. Okay. Um, so I had a bunch of assumptions like that, but you know, we still, we still check some things anyways. Okay. And for the record five, two, and you're like six, eight, basically. No, that's, that's, that's quite tough. I got, <laughs> good, I got a good foot on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I came in, we, you did some t- table tests. So like I lay down and I always noticed like you were always looking at me as I was laying down. And what you're referring to is like my center of gravity is basically so far pushed forward that I have to turn out to be able to kind of manage that. Yeah. Like you've, you've, your pelvis has moved, right. And then with your pelvis moving, your, your acetabulum, your sockets have moved. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now when they move, you, if you had your legs still putting your like your femur still kind of putting straight ahead per se, like your your from all head would putting would be putting instead of like um um like superior anterior it'd be almost be putting like sideways to backwards like literally you would not be able to propel yourself forward unless you turned your femurs out right based off the orientation of of, of your acetabulum so like um yeah I was constantly like watching just how you would how you relax down and you know um because sometimes people just start bringing in little by little just from whatever intervention we did right to see if it changed at all mm-hmm. uh, yeah those little things like that and what did you see as you were doing like your did some internal external rotations um yeah. at my shoulder and at my hips yeah. so in particular because I was spending a lot of time on that right side because I knew you were over there. Like your your right uh, uh, traditional like hip external rotation was was quite limited, um, and then you had some uh, uh, right hip traditional hip internal rotation. But but uh, I think we were talking about how I would use the word quote unquote fake um, because I don't think it was coming from your hip. I think it was become from your orientation and the spinal position giving you more than you really had um and then i would go up to your shoulder and do you know hip uh, uh humeral external rotation inter rotation and, and um you know flexion to try to they should be similar to your your hip right it should match this to try to confirm those findings and and you were yeah uh, i think we were talking about you were so you were so tipped back so like your your spine was so far like hyperextended it was like your torso was falling backwards from your pelvis being tipped forward right so it was like you're doing a it was almost like you're doing a back bend right on the, the laying there so your your shoulder measures were um all higher than i would have guessed they would be right <laughs> so we were we were talking the other day about like when you were actually were gaining motion you actually looked like you were losing shoulder motion if you weren't aware of that potential strategy you were using right because it was actually coming back and I actually feel some end feels now rather than you just your arm just flopping or flopping around yeah the first time you looked at it it was just my shoulder flexion you were like wow like I did not expect that and then like the second maybe third time you did it you're like oh okay like this is actually like for real like (laughs) there's some there's some restriction here yeah this is restriction because I expected your neck to be 
quite compressed and not be able to get that um, like end range type shoulder flexion. And mm-hmm. you were going there uh, early on initially. And then you started to show like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're stopping before. I mean, I expected you'd be, I expected you to be based off of the, the muscular strategy you had down the pelvis and lower leg. I expected your shoulder flexion to be below 90. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice little surprise there. <laughs> uh, okay. So like the first time I came in, so all this talk right now is basically, well, we we knew each other as friends. So it's not like you need to give me this kind of rundown of what you do, but you've never said anything to me in regards to like, yeah, come in and I'll solve the pain that you're having. It's always, hey, let's let's see where your biases are. We'll see what your movement is, see if we can give you some more options and then, you know, see how you feel after that. So it's never this like, you know, I'm, I know you can kind of help me with my movement. And, and that kind of typically is, is what I'm expecting to clear things up, but I'm not, there's not this thing where it's like, you're, I'm coming for you for like a pain pill. We will be back after this quick message. The biggest struggles trainers and rehab professionals have with building and scaling their online training programs, attracting remote fitness clients, and maintaining communication is having quality videos that provide exercise technique and coaching instruction. Well, now you can stop searching the internet. You will never find them unless you go to michellebowen-training.com for the best exercise database on the internet. Imagine all of the funny looks your programs get when clients are trying to figure out what an exercise on their training program is instead of having clear instruction. Gain access to over 1,500 exercise videos, coaching tutorials, and hundreds of positional instructional videos to send to your remote clients with the new digital format of the MBT Exercise Database. You will not find a contralateral reach walking lunge, a military crawl designed for posterior expansion, or a frontal plane hip shifting med ball slam on YouTube or anywhere else for that matter. The new database dropped in 2021 and hundreds of fitness and rehab professionals use it to easily build out their online training programs with built-in buttons to insert the videos into personalized training programs or to use videos to send to their rehab patients for at-home homework. The database will transform your training business by drastically improving scalability, improving communication with clients, and teaching them proper technique from afar. If you don't believe me, Dr. Pat Davison said, and I quote, this database is a goldmine for coaches who care about executing movements for athletes that can legitimately impact sports performance and health. So head over to michellebowen-training.com to learn more. And now, back to the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you and I can green i think probably a lot of your your listeners that like your pain isn't as simple as like oh there's damage somewhere because i feel pain right most people i think especially that follow you understand that it's more complex than that and um it's probably much more complex than even when i was last like looking at that type of stuff like you know the quote unquote pain signs but um 
know, I, I just think of it as, you know, we're complex organisms and um, no matter what input I give, I never know the output until I give that input. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this model of, um, you know, if someone has movement restrictions, that means they probably have focalized force in certain areas. So if I can, if I can um, help them regain uh, what we call relative motions and, and distribute those forces more systemically throughout the body, that that pain won't be as focal, or I'm sorry, that force won't be as focal, and hopefully, hopefully, there may not be pain, right? But I don't know. I just go with that model and try that, like, okay, we may have a focal issue here. What happens if we try to, you know, get rid of this focal issue? Does that help, right? But again, there's you come across people. I mean, I have them. Um, they have some history of pain stuff, and they're constantly like searching for it. And um, you know, it can see it, it. It doesn't always go that clean, right? Um, it's almost like they have to. Um, something they they do have to build up, um, like confidence again, you know, because they they associate movement with pain, right? And even when you make a change, they still have to trust that they can now access a, we'll call it position, um, um, and feel whatever, safe, safe there, okay there, right? Um, so, like, you know, that's that's part of it as well, is, is this someone experiencing not having that sensation, right? And, you know... Um, that I think that can get a little bit more complex. Again, hopefully it's just as simple as oh, we get we get motion and there you go. But uh, I'm not gonna. I will definitely not say that. That's definitely how you know. That's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it talked about this a little bit before, but that was probably one of my biggest lessons or differences from working with athletes to working with general population clients is athletes typically aren't afraid of movement. So when you work with them and ask them to do something, they'll do it and they'll be um, invested and think about things, even if it relates to a pain issue. But general population clients, when I dove into that world, it's a lot of like what you said, they, they associate those types of symptoms with the actions that you're trying to get them to do. And there has to be a communication and like trust there that is a, is a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, and and you know everyone, you know especially with these uh, uh, general pop clients, if they're again if they're towards middle age or more, like so these people have been pain for a long time, like it's like crazy, right? And mm-hmm. they feel of it, and I mean I get it, and you know maybe and maybe you know in some cases it is that severe where it's like life altering, right? Um, and trying to help them, and not necessarily, and then if they're and if not like a person that um was necessary an athlete then it's even i can see even being whatever even scarier for them right like when you're in, when you know when you train you get to, you get uncomfortable and you you obviously have some type of thing that drives you to you train through certain stuff right or when you're you know on when you're in one of your races like you're gonna dig because you want to compete um and there's something towards like there's something to that where like you can you can you compartmentalize it and not make it seem as threatening, right? Versus someone that maybe doesn't have those same type, same type of experiences. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can say that athletes can't, like, you know, they they experience a significant injury 
and it really sets them back like having you know they have to build up back confidence too right it's, it's all just about where are they and it's what makes everything unique um but i can definitely see why some people um, that don't have even that you're even more hesitant when they start feeling things that you know they may not have grown up experiencing yeah exactly exactly so all right the first visit came to you with the right foot do you remember what we first did because i can remind you if you want um i i, I mean I was probably trying to get motion back i know i moved your foot pretty early on but i was probably trying to start a little bit more proximally initially and did we do the rolling did we do rolling first yep so we did rolling um so we did had me roll for a few minutes each like um like so ads yep. outside of the hip um i had to do lower glute i know that yep lower glute and then uh and then like a calf yeah it's a soleus calf yeah. yeah so i was just trying to get some um decrease some motor output and get some change in the, the concentric tissue that you had in that leg mm -hmm. seeing what that would give us um and then from there be able to try to do some exercises using whatever ranges you now had like hopefully again you weren't so uh turned out and oriented out now like it brought you in maybe a little bit right and mm -hmm. now else. and i know we tried the foot i think right after because i yep. know so your midfoot was so stiff um so we were trying to essentially get that talus to move a bit. Um, um, and then after that, we tried to actually do exercises and eventually put your foot, actually use your foot. We eventually build you, we start on the ground, build you up to your feet type thing. Yep. Yeah. yep. So you mobilized my foot. I think I was in sideline position, right, on my left side, right? You're on your right side because I moved your right foot. Yep. Right side. And then my leg was straight, my right leg, and you had my foot. And then on the left, I was basically sliding my knee on the ground. And in, oh no, I was rolling. You were stepping, like if it's thinking about stepping forward and backwards, right? So your leg would step over the top, like you're stepping forward, which would be like a roll, right? You'd be rolling forward on your right side, mm -hmm. and then backwards um, after while I was like moving your foot. Um, so as you stepped forward, I was I was uh, um, trying to again I'll call it inter rotated inter into into an internally rotated type position of your foot. So this could be um, uh, traditionally be more of a pronated type looking foot, right? Trying to make that arch decrease and get the talus to move. Um, um, and then as you stepped backwards, it was like the opposite where I'd actually push you more towards what's traditionally called a supinated foot. Uh, I'd call it like a later foot where the arch would re reshape as you step back. So I'm trying to get that talus to kind of move through an excursion of, uh, um, and not just be locked because essentially yours, yours was, is, was, is, right? Is locked where your talus and your calcaneus move together as like a unit rather than having the, the motion between the two. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I remember that. And then you went to like the tibia roll. Yep. So then we're going like up the chain where it's like, okay, I got to keep propagating these, this, this motion I want going up towards the pelvis. Right. So I, 
at some, you have to make everything match, right? So I have to stop as many places as I have to, and that's kind of the game. Like, where how many how many pit stops do I have to make up to like the pelvis and all the way up to the head, technically the skull to make everything match. So um, you know your your proximal tibia was uh, externally rotated, so I gave you an activity um, that you could do by yourself, which was like a self mob, which was just teaching that uh, tibia proximal tibia to internally rotate. Um, from you pushing into the ground um, as you um, you kind of went from like, it's kind of like from a oh what the hell would you call that bomb position I don't even know it's, it's nothing crazy it just makes it sound more worse than it really is but it's just like a it's like a it's not it's not um it's not like a what the hell um, you first said it to me I was like what are you talking about but like it's that position that I, so I'm like side lying almost and my legs are at like 90 90 but like split yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like a, hip, like a hip opener or like a shin box type, right? Is that what they call it? I don't yeah, know. I think so. Like a shin box, but then you're over the top of your uh, lead leg knee, and then you have to push through the knee to to push up, um, and that focalizes force because now you're down. Your contact is through that proximal tibia, right? So that's where you have to apply force into the ground from, and that will turn it inward to create internal rotation, and it pushes you up into that. Well, it's almost like a plank position, right? Where you're, you know, move your knee underneath you. So a propulsive position, right? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. That one's easy for me to do. Um, and then the, I call it a, the roller seat. Um, this is one I was a little self-conscious to do at the gym, but now everyone's seen me do it. So like, whatever. <laughs> so I sit on a roller and I have two elevated like kettlebells for handles at my sides and my legs are straight. So I'm basically um, seated on the roller. What? L-sit. Like L -sit. L -sit. There you go. You want to talk about that one? Um, so idea being that we're going to move your pelvis towards a, a uh, or shape change your pelvis towards like an internally rotated position, which would be, you know, traditional we call it like a little more nutated pelvis position. Okay. Um, and we're using the the downforce. Obviously, there's force on the foam roller, um, ideally inside your um, cubic ramus. So it's almost like trying to uh, like gap or separate, right, and, and change that there. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, when you're leaning forward a bit, you get a little interrotation, and you apply downforce of your arms because we're trying to actually pressurize and push down into the pelvis to to create the the shape change we want and, and pressurize for that mutated pelvis position. Yeah. Um, so this is again, biasing internal rotation uh, for a pelvis. Um, and the same time your femur, your proximal femurs are internally rotating. So I have you in that, that seated uh, L-sit position. So mm -hmm. it just matches. Like I was trying to get internal rotation at your foot and ankle, try to get your, at your, at your knee, right. In, in terms of your tibia. And then we just went up another level now and now we're at hip and pelvis trying to uh, get some degree of internal rotation to match okay yeah awesome Th that one's been a game changer and then uh i called it the sideline ir but i'm basically in the same position like starting position as like the tibia roll um and i'm kind of doing like an oblique hold on the right oh so i got a little, a little oblique sit yes yeah so low oblique sit now we are, we are, um, you still don't have full interrotation, right? So you're, 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 
your proximal femurs are still kind of, you know, turning outward, right? And we have to bring things back in. So I couldn't bring you like straight in, even after trying to do some of these, like by straight in. Um, I couldn't bring your your femur into uh, all the way into like full internal rotation still, right? Like you still, you gain some, but not all. So it's like, okay, where can I put her extremity where she can start to superimpose more and more of this internal rotation um, and create force to create some force to, to allow this motion to be captured. So we went on the right side uh, and, you know, playing with capturing it there because again, I'm on this right side, I'm trying to capture it first. Um, all the, like more up the, the, uh, the whole side. So we were trying to do it at the hip by putting you in that position when you're on top of it. So when it's grounded, that itself is helping you capture some, as long as you can get the pelvis position. And then we were starting to incorporate in your upper body, right? So we're putting your, your, um, your bent arm, your bent, el bent elbow on the ground as if you're doing a side plank. We actually probably elevated your arm, actually. We elevated your arm. Yep. So same concept. We elevated her arm because um, if you put your arm on the ground, that's more inter or higher internal rotation demand than if I elevated your arm. So I was putting you towards external rotation to try to find the space you could access where you could actually apply force without creating compensation. And then you were doing that, you know, side plank type, type arm where you're finding the inside of your elbow and finding your pisiform. Um, so you can distribute forces um, and get relative motion rather than disorient there. But we were, just, we were just chipping away and getting higher and higher up towards your skull and into your neck uh, to see if you can get some, some relative motions there. Yeah, that's something like uh, you mentioned. I mean, I mean, maybe the second time I ever met you at Northeastern, you looked at me and said something about my neck and biceps, and I was like, "Awesome!" <laughs> but basically, you have to like really be careful of that with me, like in terms of like exercise selection. It's just like if I'm just going to turn my neck on to to ho to hold that position, right? Yeah. So that's that's what your strategy is when you know you, you've you've oriented high enough up or towards the skull where if you come across a force that is too great, you have to, you have to orient to do so. Right. And you go, and not just you, tons of obviously people do, um, but you, you start creating force and you'll see that shrug, that traditional like shrugging starting to occur, which is just your shoulder. It's like your scap rising up your, your torso towards your ear. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you're trying, essentially trying to get just like a, just like a, your pelvis is trying to get anterior oriented and up and over your femurs. It'd be like the same type of premise up top in your torso. Okay. And then you did, I call it the March hold. What do you call up it? I laid cross connect, cross connect, cross connect. <laughs> Whatever I can do to, to remember this stuff, I write it down. Yeah, so we, we've been, every one of these things has been progressing, like, okay, let's try to get even more interrotation, more interrotation, more interrotation, because you were so uh, externally rotated bias, right? So now when we were starting to get there, I'm bringing, you know, your appendages way more towards midline, right? And it's a much higher internal rotation demand relative to something like that low oblique sit with the elevated shoulder and, um uh, everything else I was having you do before that, you know, I mean, that pelvis, when we've seen the pelvis is a lot, but like, you know, the position, again, it's about degrees and how much we can get there. Um, and then when you go there, this is like really trying to teach someone to um, um, 
absorb forces from their from their foot contact um and then apply it back down because that's what's that's what's essentially happening every time you take a breath every time you inhale you're propagating energy up from your foot that's on the wall every time you exhale you're propagating more energy back down it was just bias it was back and forth um and, and you're holding a position and then because you're breathing you create a a, a yielding uh a strategy in tissues wherever expansion needs to occur right so you're not creating um big motion from just holding it because it's static right it's a static position um but you're like little by little um expanding um the, the tissues and creating that yield from the position you're accessing at that moment. Okay. Awesome. No, that, that one's been good. And then we went on to a heel elevated split squat. Uh, no, it was your whole foot. Front, front, yeah. Front foot whole foot. Yeah. yeah. Front foot elevated split squat. So when you elevate the front foot, <clears throat> it, it deloads a person and, and holds their center of gravity back. So you can think of it as there's not as much force demands on that lead leg, right? You're going to feel more of your body weight on the back leg. Um, so uh, ideally giving you an op- a little bit better opportunity to capture this motion we're going for through a, you know, technically more complex exercise relative to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and essentially trying to integrate everything we just worked on, right? Like, okay, can we integrate the foot, the knee, the hip, but yeah, 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 all the way up to your, to your neck and, um, um, if you're able to hold that with a little bit more complexity, ideally you hold it a little bit more outside of, you know, just that exercise, but just adding a little more complexity and putting all the pieces together um, that we were kind of building to uh, or building from in that case. Yeah. And then when I, uh, I left, I, I was feeling 95% better. I felt like I could move my foot. I instantly kind of had relief in that area and then you also gave me a pad that I can stick on the insole of my right foot, right underneath my arch. Yeah. Forward. So we're, you know, just based off your foot presentation, we're in those kind of watching you. Um, it was challenging, right, to keep your foot contacts and maintain the, the foot shape we wanted during things, especially when we got to the, the split squat. Um, that and, and, um, the fact that this uh race wasn't that far away um it was kind of like okay this is gonna be one of these safe to fail experiments michelle let's see what happens if we does this help hold your foot where you want a little bit more right so your tibia what that does is it's not hard and it wasn't a hard insert it was a soft one because i didn't want to prevent your foot from changing shape or from accessing a certain shape or position i was just trying to decrease the rate at which your tibia went over your foot because if your center of gravity is getting pushed forward really fast and hard, right? You're going to, you're going to, um, um, go through, um, a gate cycle quicker and your tibia is going to translate quicker over your foot. So it was like a, it's like a little speed bump to, to slow you down, um, and hold you back and try to drop your force, um, in a little bit different spot than where you're dropping it in your foot, um, to see if, uh, um, that would help, right. With your, your discomfort, um, and it was one of those things where like, you know, for all I know, that could have been the thing that made you feel the best after, right. Just, you know, that one little thing to your shoe, cause maybe that's all you need. It was just like, okay, you know, I'm hitting a little bit different. My foot, my internal rotation dropped a little bit differently. I gained a few degrees of it, right. Systemically. And then you were able to, able to go. Yeah, can you talk about, I think I saw you the other day, 
you pointed to basically right under, uh, excuse me, right like in front of my shin to the outside a little bit. And we were like, you, all you do is just push down here, put force down here. Yeah. We were talking about, cause I don't remember the first time, but like you, you do have what, you know, I would call a calcaneal IR bend in your calcaneus, right? This looks like a traditional everted calcaneus. Like your, your calcaneus looks everted. Um, so there's like, we'll call this like a, a compensatory IR change there, right? Like you've created a force that to move that, but then you've you've kept pushing forward, and you've you've um, I just refer to it as like a whole orientation of the foot. Like you you kept the interpretation kept the forces kept dropping forward further ahead of the, the calcaneus now that um, and because your calcaneus and your talus were moving as one, right? Instead of independently, you were just tipping in the whole foot by dropping force a little bit in front of the tibia and you're just like dropping it down to turn the whole thing in because you didn't have motion before between the talus and the calcaneus. So instead of going, instead of going from, from a, a traditional supinated foot to a traditional pronated foot, you just made a, a solid object, right? And then you would just, you, you would just, tip your whole foot um, inward, right? To make your fake pronation, right? You would just drop, you would just orient the foot inward to try to get that arch to drop down. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, so we were just trying to get that motion back. Because if you get back through the foot, the relative motion between the, between all the bones, but in particular talus and calcaneus, it would just help propagate those forces up the system as well. Um, you, you would you would absorb them better and not have as many focal uh, force. And yeah. Gosh, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, this is just crazy and almost beautiful at the same time. Of like, we did talk about like your intention to detail, but like the average person looks at me and it's just like, you know, whatever. But like all of these things that are happening in my body, it's just, it's mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those things you know, the more you learn stuff, it's both fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. And exciting, because like, what can I do with this? But every while then, like, you step back and you're like, wow, like, it's almost overwhelming because everything could matter, right? Like, we didn't even get into like some deep shit, but like, like everything could matter, which is like, that's something, right? If you, if, if you just don't know what for that person, um, but like everything can matter. And then every time I see you, you are different. Right, you're yeah. a different, you're a different person. Every time I see you, right? You've had new experiences, you've gone through new things, like, and and when you when you train certain people and you see them often enough, like I have many times where like, oh, I did, I did X, Y, and Z to like get going here, and like, oh, that you know the first whatever the first time I saw me it worked really well, and I was cooking, right, and we're gaining things. I'm feeling really good. I opened up all types of options here, uh, and the next time I do that, it doesn't work. Oof. And you're like, ooh, okay, now we have the game again. Like, how do I, where, where is this constraint? What is going on? And sometimes it's outside of my control. Like, I can use movement the best I can, but there's, you know, there's stuff that can be any type of sensory thing. Like, you can, you can have something that's having, someone's having something going on in their life and, uh, you know, uh, emotional stuff. Um, I've seen someone that took a medication and, 
apparently, apparently it seemed to um, uh, change them because it was messing with their heart rate and, and such. Like, and, and it, it altered them. And you know, a lot of anecdotal stuff here, but everything can matter. Um, and you have to be able to find new ways to try to get what you want every time you see someone potentially. And some people, it's awesome because, like, okay, the same thing works for the most part every time you see them. Um, but this is where just like you know, observing and watching someone move and you know even asking questions or getting a feel for how they how they are that day mm -hmm. um, you can get a feel for you know how things are gonna um progressive with this and um yeah I and mean, the more the more things you understand you can kind of like look for those constraints the best you can um you know whether it be oh there's that foot thing or like fucking like me like you have a dental thing right that's crazy but like where is it and can i how much can i alter it in that moment yeah that that's crazy i mean i saw you on on sunday which we'll get to but i feel like some of this stuff popped up a little bit more because the past two weeks have just been outside of running have uh when i know like other like psychological or work things or things are happening in my life i tend to have these things pop up just a little bit more yeah so it comes down to like what is you know, where does a stress response when people have stress and what does that do to the body, right? And we can make assumptions here, but generally speaking, people can feel that they're different, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I basically left you. I didn't have that pad in my foot when I left and I felt 95% better. I got home that night. I did some of this stuff that we just went over. I woke up in the morning I turned out of my bed, put my foot on the ground, and I said, oh, oh, my goodness, that's the ground. That's the And I can move. And I was walking barefoot out of my room, and I was like, "I've that's amazing. I can move my foot now. And I was 100% that day. I think I put the pad in my shoe, and I ran with it, and um, I was golden. And then a couple weeks later, did the Boston Marathon qualified and then the next time i saw you was may 14th which was almost a month after the boston marathon oh. and at that point i knew that i was going to be training for a 50 miler in june so i was like ah oh, gotta go back to dan a little bit and now the foot was off the table that wasn't bothering me at all what was bothering me is my adductors and so ads to the point where the most painful part of my day was coughing and sneezing. Like it was excruciating. Um, and then maybe after runs or during runs, there was some like discomfort. Um, and so we want to talk about that. Uh, we talked a little bit about the coughing and sneezing and why that may be causing me so much um, discomfort. Do you want to kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, so we were just we were talking about you still had um like we didn't get you back full relative motions, right? When we first met you or, or even those exercises you were doing, you were just finding enough to allow you to run comfortably enough to compete, right? And you were like, Okay, I compete and I can I can do you pretty much you pretty much found like I could do this and get this much done if I do this. Essentially. Mm -hmm. Um and then you're um, for all we know, it seemed like maybe your foot was in a little better spot and maybe it was the, from the pad or whatever, but obviously you were still having, or you still had 
um, in this regard, like some of these orientation issues, right, at the exoskeleton, at the pelvis. Um, and, you know, you have a, like I was talking about the first time, we were talking about how if I lay down, you're so tipped forward or so tipped back that, like, your arms just flop when they shouldn't, right? Because you have, like, that much uh, uh, traditional extension throughout your, uh, your spine. Uh, so that means you have a pretty anterior-oriented pelvis, right? Um, um, so, you know, the idea being when we're talking, it seems like your 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 uh, pressure is going is going down and forward, right? Because you're one, your bias is go down and forward from the shape of your pelvis, right? Because you're more of this counter-nutated pelvis shape bias, right? Um, but then also when you just when you've oriented it so far forward, it's like tipping it just like a bowl forward, and your guts are just coming forward into your abdominal wall. So when you when you are critting, when you're sneezing and coughing, you're you're uh, increasing pressure downward towards towards that area is is a hypothesis essentially. Um, and, and it can't go down, so it goes forward. Yeah, it's going like into your abdomen, mm -hmm. right, right. Um, this is where we talk about. I'm not sure if you talk. Well, you and I have talked about this, but I talk about some people. This is where like the some people are like, you know, accused of being skinny fat. Yeah, but they're, really, they're not fat. They just have an orientation that's pushing their guts over the rim of their pelvis. Right, that's where their guts are going. So it's you know it's something like that where you have the, your guts trying to go over the front of your pelvis. Um, so ultimately, it was just about like, okay, well, we have to get we have to bring you back a little bit right you have to bring your center of gravity back some to decrease that uh anterior orientation which is ultimately also um you know taking this like compressed counter nutated type pelvis and allowing it to gain the internal rotation so it can nutate and come back so your guts can go uh um, into the pelvis like you, like you said um and that hopefully hopefully make you feel different. Yeah. A good example of that. I always, like, you know, I rent space from a CrossFit gym. So there's always pictures of CrossFitters all around. There's like a, a master's um, very high level CrossFitter in there. And people always comment about like, she's like, she's like 10% body fat. She's like ripped, but yeah. like, she looks like she has like a little bit of like a pouch because her stomach sticks out so much. And I remember telling someone, yeah, it's because her guts are just, that's her guts like being pushed forward. So I'm like, that's like a good example of it. But I can, I feel that I can feel that sometimes too, as well. Um, and then, so that session, I think we kind of messed around with some of the most similar stuff. I think the biggest thing that you changed up was giving me, um, the roller stick activity. Okay, so I was going to have to post your lower, which I probably should have done the first session, honestly, if I didn't do it the first one. I can't remember. Which I only can do at my house, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, there's a, what she's talking about is like, you can think about the, the we'll call it the tissue. So the muscle, the tissue between your uh, ischial tuberosity and your apex, your sacrum, so your coccyx. Um, there's a, and there's a glute max that goes right over, the lower fibers of glute max go right over that area. Um, and we're trying to, uh, again, decrease motor output of that uh, muscle. So um, you got to um, 
help create a little space there using a stick and self-mobbing. And you're essentially bringing, you're laying on your side and you're bringing your, um, your appendage, your top leg, essentially through a extended position up into a hip bent, hip flex position to try to uh, um, create a gradient there to allow some movement. And if I have also was smart and I may mean, not have been that day, I would have, I would have pushed, uh, I would put you on the foam roller and rolled your ilium um, to try to create a shape change through the uh, iliac crest. But I can't yeah. remember. I cannot remember if I did that or not. Honestly, I can't. I can't remember either. Uh, I don't. I Hi. think I did foam roll, but I just can't remember. Um. So basically, yeah. Every morning, I take basically a little foam roll stick, like a tiger stick. I have a towel so my knee can kind of slide on my hardwood floor. And then I have a pillow from my couch. And that's basically what I do after I have my first couple sips of coffee is basically trying to open up the bottom of my, my pelvis every morning. Yeah. No, that's good. You gotta get that, these reps in. <laughs> that's, that's one that I have not done in the gym. No, that takes, that takes like my special clients to feel comfortable to do that. Right. You gotta be like, you have to have a, a good bond to be like, hey, wedge the stick right here and, and just move your leg, right? You can't do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you were in the gym, it would be fine, but it's like I'm surrounded by CrossFitters who already think I'm like out of my mind. So yeah, like shoving a stick basically in between my legs and pulling up is probably not something that would get me some good street cred. No, not there at all. Not there at all. Your biceps would have to be even bigger. Be- okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only can do one thing at a time, you know. <laughs> um, that was probably the biggest thing, and then the last. Oh, you gave me what you call the military crawl position. Army crawl. Army crawl, which I thought was a game changer. I think I I did that religiously. I did all these exercises religiously, almost every day, maybe twice a day, sometimes. But that's the one who I did it. If I would do like three or four sets in a row, I would instantly get get relief. Um, you want to talk about that one? Yeah. So I was I was making the assumption that you know something I gave you or you know or a certain day, again when you're not there, you give someone this series of exercises to build up something more complex. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you did it the first time you saw me, right? And we're there and I'm coaching you. When I'm not there, maybe you get it some days, maybe you don't. Like as we were talking about earlier, like you're a different person every time, and maybe that sequence doesn't work, right? Unless you can really sense it so generally i was like okay my thought process was is like um you know i'm, I'm i have to still build this internal rotation um capability and um for every reason you know we're not getting uh the appendage more in, going in front of my body to be able to do it right so i was just going based off of where you were showing me you can present so you can present with the space out to the side because you, you go into your external rotation. So the army crawl, that one side bent was like, okay, I'm going to go put your limb in the space that you can access and you're going to start applying force there to create some internal rotation. So that's what I was doing there. It's like, okay, I know she can do, I know she has access over here. Let's go do that. Can she capture the position and start creating some internal rotation? And, you know, based off of, you know, your feedback, because I can't remember that session and how your test changed per se. But it sounds like you, 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 you obviously kept doing it, and um, you can you feel comfortable like executing that one over and over again. Yeah, I, I like I said, I can't, I don't know exactly why, but it's just like that's the one I do religiously. And it's funny you mentioned that, like sending me home with something because 
we all do this, right? Because I had my hands wider than my shoulder. And when I did it with you, I had my hands in like a diamond position where like my right ring finger is pushing into the ground a little bit more. But then when you had me re-show you what I was doing just a few days ago, I didn't have my hands in like that diamond position. So yeah. over time, things just like slowly yeah. fade. I even thought about that the other day. I was like, I cannot believe that I've been doing it differently the past couple that's, of weeks. That's how that's how it is always with homework, right? Every, every, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has an experience where they gave someone something, right? Yeah. And they maybe even saw them do it and execute it. And then they, they go off. And it just it just morphs into something, right? Yeah, <laughs> something completely different. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, that had eased my like I was able to use all of these types of activities to manage my performance. So I was hitting like fifty mile weeks, which was a lot, and these exercises allowed me to do that stuff without any symptoms. My fit foot was fine; I was feeling good. Had a fifty miler zero symptoms maybe the last 10 miles of the race i had this like little kind of like twingy like pinchy feeling in my left hip but when i woke up the next morning it was gone and i was walking my dogs like the next morning so i felt like awesome and then so now i'm kind of cruising again the past maybe two weeks of my life have been very stressful for for me for various reasons and i'm just feeling things like pop up a little bit and of course i wanted to get you in before the podcast but also my right foot was feeling a little stiffer than usual i'm talking like two to five percent but you got to keep that stuff in check when you're putting a lot of miles in as my volume of miles has been going up the past um week or two and then the psoads and adductors are kind of just like a a, a constant kind of thing that's going on and so i saw you last sunday and um i think that's probably fresh in your brain huh it's pretty fresh it's pretty fresh <laughs> yeah i mean you came in um the biggest thing i just i remember just talking i think i think i said it to you it was like i don't remember your foot being like i remember being rigid i didn't remember it being like that oriented and i didn't feel i don't remember the calcaneus looking the way it did you know i mentioned earlier traditional like everted like this calcaneal ir bend i didn't remember it being like to that degree um, from before so like, that was the thing that like stood out to me um b- uh, besides that you know you're still kind of presenting with the you know those that tightness if you will of that lower glute uh fibers um you you were really anti-oriented right turning your limbs outward to access the space you could um for some reason you still had a rib cage that was not super rigid which always fascinated me um and, you know, and then you know falling weight falling like torso falling back on the table because of your uh which is called hyperextended spine right where you can you show me your your it looks like you had excess of motion you, you had motion in your shoulders where you shouldn't have had based off your hip measures type motion, right mm-hmm. and then um just thinking about how can i be a little and then i was going into that being like okay like I know you're a savage and you're, you run a ton, right? And like, okay, now she's, and you were telling me about this next race you have coming up. And <laughs> I was like, okay, we got, I got to get this like even a little bit more clean, like, you know, precise about what you need. Um, so I was talking a lot about the foot uh, and then what I could think of doing there. And, you know, I finally came to a decision about that heel, uh, how to try to change your heel and hopefully the, 
the the um, orthotic the soft orthotic would still work. I didn't mention to you then, but like you know, there's also we could potentially show you a way to tape it if it doesn't. Um, that could be that'd be like the next step if you know that didn't um, uh, work. And then um, um, you know, just getting even, just trying to fine tune the stuff we were working on. So you know, you were still externally rotated. So I didn't go. Uh, I didn't try to go like bring your appendage in in line of you as as soon i was kind of um again playing outside your space right and then building this thing like before um um and then was also by the way taking a step backwards a little bit more precise about like the soft the, the, your self soft tissue work um mm-hmm. I'd be a little bit more particular about what to go after and this time i know i think i went after the the hip the crest of your hip for the ilium um to try kind of to create that shape change still keeping the the stick at the ischium in between the apex of the sacrum still keeping that one um and there's even more stuff we could do if we need to but then it was just really about fine-tuning the exercises like changing your split squat just so you didn't have to try to access a greater range it's like okay i'm just gonna keep her over this foot um and ideally because we built to this like it helps create a little bit more downforce through that foot which is should be a space you could access a little bit better but then also hopefully maybe create a little bit more of a foot uh, change um, with that with that step up uh, I showed you at the end. Um, before the step up, I jumped ahead. I was just trying to put you on your feet and essentially use a wide. There's a high low press, but like a but like a wider stance. I almost call it like an L stance because I had your feet almost at ninety degrees right, relative to each other, right? So again, that's accessing this external rotation that you can find, like position where you can put your legs, and then moving you know, into the, into towards one leg with a press to put internal rotation on that side. And then when you come back, let that back leg knee bend, um, to apply or to, uh, put force over there and some internal rotation on the, uh, on that, uh, ipsilateral side, um, with a bias of that, I'm pushing you from right to left because I'm going to try to get you your center of gravity to move that way ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. but that was playing with like, okay, me superimposing, um, this internal rotation a little bit more, but on your feet, and then we can change that with time. Um, I'm not going backwards here because from time. So before that, even was rolling you around the ground more than before, right? Because I was trying to have you roll side to side. One to see if your axial skeleton would 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 change and your pelvis would change from that nutated or from that counter nutated to a little bit more nutated by accessing it. Um, but people usually just respond pretty well from rolling on the ground and being able to create some of these shape changes they need. Uh, so we did a little bit more of that than, than before too. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to almost like a reset in a way. Okay. Okay. We were at a new level here for her in terms of her performance. Um, again, I didn't remember your foot quite looking like that, but it had been a while. So I wanted to be sure we kind of reset and try to almost like build this thing again. Um, um, and see what, what happens and just told you to, uh, keep me posted. And then, you know, I'll, sh- I'll show you how to, tape your foot if we need to if that becomes the main uh complaint again but i'm hoping it was just like okay you just increased like you said you increased your mileage you had a lot of stress i'm hoping it was kind of just like a blip right um but we'll see yeah so now after that session you got me doing the tissue work you got me doing like the the stick opening the bottom of the pelvis in a sideline position then i did a, a roll side to side 
Then I did the army crawl. And yep. then I did the the foot where I elevated my heel on a very small plate. And I was kind of just dropping down yep. with the support of a wall. Yeah. Yep. And then I did the wide stance staggered, uh, excuse me, the wide stance uh, high to low press. And then I did a step up just on my right leg. Yeah, for now, I'll just try to capture that inter rotation. But I think actually you showed me we were we were running on time. You actually did pretty good at that, though. That's something that you uh, um, we probably could go the other side as long as everything goes what you know well. I just want to be sure you can capture it. Very kind of you. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, and so this this stuff. Um, hopefully, I'm kind of aware. I think it was ideal conditions before my last 50 mile. I dropped everything two weeks before and I I feel like that dropped so much stress where I felt so good going into it and I probably need to be a little bit more aware of like everything that's going on outside of just like the physical nature of it um, before I head into the next one. Um, so the 50k in two weeks or a week and a half, I don't know, week and a half and then like five weeks I have another 50 miler and then yeah even like those little things like teaching me how to tape obviously we have plenty of time for that but you know next summer i'll be running 100 miles in the swiss alps so that time duration <laughs> that time duration shaking his head at me um if something goes astray like there's a consequence from that it would be nice to try to see if i can get like a quick fix relief so i can keep kind of going yeah, this is, this is all just a game, right? Like you're you're trying to push more and more, and then at the same time keep up with managing that, right? Like that higher performance. Like how do you manage a higher performance, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of times it cannot be just what you did before, right? And then uh, um, that comes with well, training, right? Like whatever resistance training, whatever training, movement training. But then, uh, as you kind of alluded to a second ago, too, like, you know, whatever, whatever is going on in your life, like, how do you, how do you manage that stuff? Because again, everything matters and everything can alter the way you move, potentially some things more than others for some people. But, um, yeah, it can, uh, like you're, you know, I was talking about like helping maybe a few more athletes, right, coming up, but like you're, you're definitely, you're definitely an athlete, right? And you're definitely competing and, um, it's always this game about okay, they want to compete. How much, especially you know, when it comes to the the running stuff, right? Like pushing them right to the edge of you guys don't need as much movement as a soccer player or like a guard in basketball, right? Because you're just getting pushed straight ahead. For the most part, I mean, you do some trail stuff, which is a little bit different, right? It's not just a track, um, so it's a little bit more. But you know, just, if you're trying to go fast and we're just trying to find that line that can hold you uh, back just enough or, or make you hold it together long enough uh, when you're out there. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think my mode of, of performance is actually maybe helpful with this stuff because, you know, trail running, it's, it's not so much of an impact. Um, it's at a slower pace. So you're just forced to go slower with like technical terrain I think if it if I had chosen like road running, which I I despise, but sometimes say in the past two weeks when I have time constraints, 
I can get way more miles on the road just because I go at a much faster pace. But I also know that this comes with more of a consequence with this type of stuff popping up. Yep, exactly. And I mean, and that's, you know, you're obviously educated and know what's going on. Like that's, that's higher level thinking about being able to understand the, the differences in our choices and the consequences that come with them. Right. And that a lot of people, particularly in general pop have no idea like quick story, I, I had these people and there was multiple, they all knew each other. They were all on um, um, treadmill desks, like walking, right? But they didn't, they had many limitations, right? So if they are walking for something like, and I had people, I had a guy reporting 40,000 steps in a day. Um, that's 40,000 steps of an orientation that I was trying to undo when I saw, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. and he, he couldn't comprehend how walking, uh, especially when you start to get tired of walking, can be interference, right? And mm-hmm. someone else, like, they were doing the same thing. They noticed that like after a certain, I think it was after 20 minutes of walking with these things, she was getting neck pain. I was like, well, yeah, you probably started walking differently. And they didn't hold together at that point. Um, but yeah, like these little things that everyone thinks are innocuous and don't mean anything or like, how does that impact this? Like I have to have those conversations all the time, some more successful than others when it comes to conversation about the interference that could be, um, people are imposing on themselves. And most of the time people are their own worst enemies in terms of why they, um, um, aren't changing as quickly or changing at all, uh, because of our habits and beliefs, and those are those are not easy things to uh, change. Exactly. One of the things we talked about, Tim and I have talked about, is just manage people's experiences, and I think that goes beyond like the movement realm of even these type of conversations, like making them make sense of these experiences that they have, and that that involves like a hard belief system for some people, and that can be insanely hard to manage for. A coach who's especially like very detail oriented and, and movement based. <laughs> it drives me crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. Well, this was this was awesome. Obviously, we talked about my favorite subject myself. Um, so this yeah, for me. <laughs> um, but I appreciate your time as always, Dan. Um, how can people find out more about you? Um, I mean, my company is Strategic Fitness Training. Uh, so I have strategicfitnesstraining.com. I am on Instagram, even though I haven't been as active lately, but um, strategic fitness training um, uh, on Instagram. Um, but by all means, I'm, I'm happy to respond to messages or emails and talk about this stuff because um, I enjoy it. And I always learn a lot from um, just people's questions. So please, please, please do. The best fitness name that exists right there <laughs> i was i was i was hoping we we're gonna uh, own up to that it's like yeah he's got it and that's the best one but <laughs> best best strategic fitness unbelievable all right then thank you so much for your time hopefully people reach out to you and uh i think this provided a lot of like very specific context for for movement stuff so i appreciate it Yep. And then the last thing I'll say is hopefully people understand that that was unique to you and it won't necessarily work for everyone, but that's again, part of the game, but it was a pleasure. And uh, thank you for having me on.
If you're enjoying what Michelle and I are putting together here, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review on your pod player of choice. Reviews help us climb the rankings, which improves our ability to help more coaches and therapists continue to push our industry and knowledge base forward. The intro and outro music for More Train, Less Pain was produced by Jacob Azurdia. You can find out more about his music by visiting his Instagram page, J underscore Z-U-R-D-I-A. Thanks for listening. Oh,